I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Today on Fairy God Boss Radio, I'm talking with Marcy White, AMS Relationship Director at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Marcy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's uh, my pleasure to be here today and to take a few minutes. I'm actually just such a leadership junkie and I'm all about women and mentoring. So to have an opportunity like this to speak with you today is, uh, is a real pleasure and delight for me. Sounds like you are the very definition of a fairy god boss. So we're excited to be talking. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, Tell us about you. Tell us about your background. What do you do today, and how did you come into it? How long do you have? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I come from a very varied background, and I like to say a lot of the times that uh, I think I've made my career up as I went along. And, and um, me too. So I'm with you there. Oh, you too. You are. So uh, yeah, I don't know about you, but I can't keep a job, and I think that's been the uh, the cornerstone of my success. <laughs> um, so I started out actually funny enough, as a, an industrial engineer. And um, I started out uh, on rooftops doing uh, roof inspection and doing uh, HVAC and design. Amazing. Um, and I bet there were lots of women in that industry. Yeah. No, there weren't, uh, actually. There were not. What was that uh, like? As a, as a, you know, it was, it was really quite good. So I'll, I'll tell you a little story. I started out um, at, at my, my university. I'm originally from Canada. And uh, I went to university, and I don't know about you, but every little girl sometimes either wants to be an actress, a singer, or a veterinarian. I still want to be an actress. Yeah, me too. Um, but I, um, anyway, I wanted to be a uh, veterinarian. So I went into biology, and I, through a series of events, I ended up, uh, I was really good at math, always loved math. And I ended up in this math course that I had no business being in, and it turned out it was the engineering math program. And I would not, my professor tried to talk me out of it at the time. And he was, and, and at the time I was like, no, 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 this is, I know what I want to do. I, I know me and I want to do this interesting course. I had no idea it was the engineering math course. And he was like, you're going to flunk out after the first semester. And I said, I will not. You wait and see. And so I uh, ended up actually getting top marks in the class. And so at the end of the semester, he said, he walked me over to the registrar's office and said, you're changing your major. You're now going to be an engineering student. And I was one of, I think, two or three women in the class at the time. And within, uh, by the time the next semester came around, I was the first female president of the engineering society. Because I was I one of those, if I'm going to go in, I'm going to go in. <laughs> love it. Don't do anything small. Don't know. If you're going to go in, you go all in. So then I, uh, left engineering to do uh, IT. And uh, I ended up doing, uh, because well, what drove me there actually, I was, I was, uh, I was the, uh, the engineering firm I was working for, they were doing drawings, picture back in the day with the slide rules and everything was done by hand. And uh, so I said, you know, AutoCAD, that's the way of the future. We've got to network this office. So I put computers on everybody's desk. I got everybody set up and trained them on AutoCAD. And I drew all of the Cat5 cable through the ceiling, crimped it at the, at the wall, and got everybody networked in the office. And I was like, I want to do this. Well, I want to do more of this. So uh, I ended up going uh, into IT. And then I, from there, I went into healthcare, long-term care, acute care. I did a startup airline as an IT person for a year. 
then I went into uh, application outsourcing and consulting uh, for software development, and that brought us to the United States. And then I ended up doing uh, marketing sales delivery for a company called Insight, uh, who's a reseller here in, uh, in Arizona. And then I left Insight, and now I'm at HPE. Awesome. So I've done, I've been in a lot of different industries, a lot of different places, but I think like what I love about what I've done is I think that um, I sort of feel confident that no matter what the challenge, I can, I can just walk in and I'll just learn it. You're, you sounds like you're someone who loves learning and loves new things, which is incredible. Along yeah. the way, I'm guessing that you were the only woman in the room more than a few times. Can you talk about that? What was that like? Um, was it comfortable for you? How did you overcome challenges? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I think it's something that a lot of people face. I and mean, I can only speak for myself. I think I've worked my whole life to, to live in a world where gender doesn't matter. And I think I really value focusing on what you can contribute and what you're capable of achieving. And I don't know, I don't know if it's that I don't, I don't know if the right term is I don't have any shame, but I bounce back really quickly from feedback. So if things don't go my way or I speak up and I go, wow, why did I say that? Um, I dust myself off and I go back in again. It doesn't stop me from kind of forging forward. So. That is really uh, admirable. I, think, I, I love it. And I, I want to take a page out of your book. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know it's not for everybody. And look, I know that um, I'm not saying it's um, I live in a utopian world, right? I know that there's been times when I felt a little more uh, discriminated against or it's been a little tougher for me. But I always felt that it was on me to make other people feel comfortable and it was on me to, uh, I could only change who I was and how I approached things. And so in a world that I'm dominated a lot by men, I make it a point I'm able to connect and I feel like, um, I, I for sure feel like we're brothers and sisters in the fight. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really fortunate that, um, you know, I have an incredible husband. We've been married 25 years and, uh, He's actually been a stay-at-home dad for 15 of those. So I am the one who earns the living. Yeah, no, he's, you know, he's amazing. He's amazing. I'm grateful for him every day. And uh, so he's raised our two girls. I have Katie, who's 22, and Emily, who's 18. So I think I'm really fortunate to be surrounded not only by uh, men who are very uh, inspiring and I work really well with, but I mean, I've got a, a husband who supports me in everything that I do. And so I kind of live in a world where we just, we just make things happen. I love that. You have thrived in a world where technical capabilities are everything. Did anyone mm -hmm. ever estimate your, what you could bring to the table from that standpoint? Uh, underestimate or overestimate or not, not be sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if you run into this too, but, um, yeah, I think I, um, again, I've always been one where I feel like I can figure it out and I've, I've always been very down to earth about what I can and cannot do. So, um, as I approach things from a technical perspective, and I think that was part of the engineering program that taught me, I think that, um, I came away with a very practical application of problem solving and how to approach things. So, um, 
when I was in, you know, even when I went from engineering to IT, um, I very quickly became uh, the subject matter expert in what I was doing, even in the industries that I was in, even though I didn't have much time served. Um, but I was always very straightforward about it. Let's work at it together. Let's take a look. Here's what I think. Here's how I think we need to adjust, or here's how I think we need to uh, move forward. So I think um, I, I've been fortunate that I'm a, a person who grew up as a problem solver and, and sort of a let's just go figure it out. Love it. Um, tell us a little bit about other women in your career. When you've worked with other women, who's been helpful, who has been less helpful, and what have you taken away from it? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, and I think it's funny because, um, again, it goes back to, I, I, I try and view that gender doesn't really matter. It's who, who helps you and supports you in your journey, man, woman, child, you know, parent, whoever. And I think I've been fortunate that um, I've had some really strong uh, women uh, that have supported me, but I'll, actually it's the men uh, that I've worked with that have helped introduce me to some of these great women and who've supported me in those relationships. And I'll give you an example. Um, when I first started out my career, I don't know about you, but I was pretty sure like I was going to go do great things. And there were some other people that I felt, I wonder why they're in that room. Why are they there? Um, I could totally do that. And, uh, and so I, I really I've felt that more than once. Limit. Yes. More than once. Yeah. Have you, and have you ever been humbled by it? Did you, did it ever bite you? Yeah. A pain, red faced anger. Red faced anger and it bites you. Yeah. So, um, I was very fortunate to have a boss, uh, when I was at a critical moment in my career. Um, and he had an executive coach by the name of Mandy Rose, who is uh, based out of the, actually the United Kingdom. And I was still in Canada at the time. And he gave me the greatest gift he could have given me, which was uh, he gave me her as my executive coach, and it was his as well. And the relationship with her, I still speak with her today. Like we talk uh, periodically, and it's like, and that was like 15 years ago. It's as if no time has passed. And what she did and what he did for me in investing in her, um, she was help, very helpful in helping me assess who I was, understand what my strengths and weaknesses were, really look myself in the mirror. Um, and Because I wanted to go to her and say, look, I think it's about executive presence. What watch do I have to buy? Is it my clothes? Is it my hair? And she's like, oh, sweetheart, we have a lot of work to do. Um, so we did my uh, you know, personality profiling. We did some 360. And we really worked towards um, who I, understanding who I was as a, as a person and who, what I could bring to the table. And then how to interact. Because I don't know if you've ever run into this, but um, oftentimes early in our career, we approach things uh, as we would want to be approached. And we don't really stop to, to take a look at who we're interacting with. So I'll give you an example. Like this boss of mine, I don't know if you've done the uh, disc, but he's high dominance, right? And I'm highly influencing. If you can't tell already, I talk a lot without taking a breath. And he wanted things in very quick, precise bites. And she said, this is why you're struggling with him. You are communicating to him as this, this was how you would want to be communicated to. You have to understand his personality, what drives him, how best to interact with him. So, I mean, she, she was wonderful. And so that actually set me on a path to get two other female executive coaches throughout my time. And they were well-spaced in between. 
So my advice to folks would be, if you really do want to get ahead and really want to be um, successful, regardless of where you land on the organization chart, go find yourself a really good executive coach. That is um, and great invest advice. In yourself. Really great advice. Yeah. And it sounds like they were great to you. Um, they were. It is funny because like people go see personal trainers or whatever, but I don't think we always put our career first or think about investing in our career and it's really ideal. Um, and it was certainly amazing for the company to do it for you. Really incredible. Yeah, no, it really was. And, it, and then I, and it, and it gave me the courage, I guess, to, uh, to invest in myself at critical moments later on. Um, the second thing I will say um, is I've really gone down a path of what I'm going to call self-coaching. And I found a wonderful group of, of women, and I'll call them my wine time women. And we get together once a week, and it's usually over a glass of wine. And we self-coach. So there's people in my life. I've got a young woman from, uh, who's probably about 10 years younger than me from Poland. Another young woman who's probably about 15 years younger than me from Denmark. And then I've got some women who are older than I am. And we get together regularly and we just talk. Do you work together? Are, you, are they all HPE or they're all different companies? No, they're all different companies. Um, and, uh, and we've met each other and known each other over time. And... Um, and I think it's, it's just so wonderful that uh, they help me as much as I help them. And uh, we're able to be vulnerable, we're able to be honest, and we're able to brainstorm about the way forward. And then we bolster each other up and we go back in. But we talk about our families, we talk about work, we talk about what we want out of life. You know, it's, uh, it's just a wonderful, holistic way of mentoring one another. I love it. And it's a, my soapbox is that I think... Women have got to get together. If we want to have more success, we need to be really functionally supporting each other and build a relationship around that. So I love, love that you're doing that. Um, talk to me. So when we do research for a woman, the number one most important thing in the workplace is having a good manager. What does that look like to you? What, what qualities do you think make a good manager? That's a great question. <laughs> um, so what I've come to over time is that um, leadership is personal. Who you are at all times matters. And you really do have to understand that you make a difference. And I think um, as I've, I've done some, I've dabbled in my own, as we talked about mentoring and coaching of young women. And so just let me take you through a little exercise I do with women who come to me who want to move up and be a manager or a leader. Uh, because I think it's really telling. So, and, and I'll give you one example. So a young woman came to me, she was really driven, she was really looking to get ahead, and she really felt in her part of the organization, um, I'm sure we've all felt this way, she felt she was misunderstood, she felt she wasn't getting the right opportunities, she felt like she wasn't uh, moving up fast enough. And so I said, so let's just play along with me for a second. Talk to me about, not specifically the name, but talk to me about the best boss or leader or inspiring coach you've had in your life. Tell me about what it was that made them great. And so this young woman told me this story. She's like, oh my gosh, it was one of my teachers in high school absolutely had the most impact on me. They uh, spent time with me. They, uh, you know, they cared about me. They worked with me. They gave me the right uh, advice in a compassionate, honest way. And they gave me lots of opportunities. And then when, when I wasn't succeeding, they bolstered me back up and they pushed me back in. And I just really felt that they were investing in me. I said, that's wonderful. That's wonderful you had somebody like that in your life. 
Now, tell me, why do you want to be a leader? Like, tell me why you so badly want to be promoted. And she said, oh, well, I'm so glad you asked. I've got all these really great ideas, and I really feel that my voice isn't heard, and I really feel like I should be directing things, and I feel like we're not moving in the right direction, and I really feel that, that uh, I'm, I, I've got so much to give and to do that if I was the leader, you know, things would be moving differently and faster. And I and said, I've, I've never you, thought what, I've never said what you're saying. <laughs> exactly, right? Or maybe so once. I said to her, maybe once or twice. And I've been in that role too. And so then I said to her, you know, compare the two lists, right? What you talked about the best manager leader experience you had and what you, why you want to be a leader, the two don't reconcile, right? When you become a leader or a manager, it's not about you anymore. It's about uh, creating the next generation of leaders. It's about moving forward. So you really have to think about uh, when you sit in that seat, it's no longer about your subject matter expertise. It's about drawing out the expertise uh, of others and making them successful because the more people on your team that are firing on all cylinders, the more successful you'll be as a group. You can't do it all. You're only one person. Yeah. And that's so, an important distinction. And I think that step from individual contributor to manager is such a difficult and tricky one. And I, and I don't, I can't speak to HPE, but I, do see that there's less investment in it in corporate America, particularly as there's more turnover, more churn. So people are becoming managers more quickly, maybe before they're really prepared. Um, any advice to new managers? How can they get up and running? What's a good way to become more on more solid footing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't know that there's one one uh, unique way. I mean, I, I really, again, go back to, I think, you really should understand who you are. You should find a good mentor or coach, someone who can help. You can go to and shut the door. And if you need to cry, cry. If you need to laugh, laugh. If you need to vent, vent. Um, I think um, I've read a book, uh, one of my favorite books that I give to all new managers. And every time I start a new job, uh, it's called The First 90 Days. And I think it's a really good guide for a new manager or leader to understand the, you know, what, 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 what pitfalls you can run into as you start up in a new job as a manager or a leader or in a company and how you assess what the um, landscape is and how you can best uh, kind of move forward. One of the examples I love in the book is uh, it talks about, you know, uh, like I was just saying, it, it, you view everything as one size fits all. So if you're used to being a change agent and running towards the fire and you view everything as, okay, guys, we got to change, we got to run, we got to go. But if you're coming into a, a, a team that's already been through a lot of change and they're actually already, they're, you should assess whether or not the change is necessary. Just because that's who you are as a change agent doesn't mean you should necessarily apply it to the group. So there's a lot of really good advice and information in there, I think, for young managers uh, to be able to, uh, to leverage. I love it. The first 90 days. Everybody should check that out. Mm. <laughs> uh, but you said something else that, that uh, resonated with me, which is about this new manager who feels that she wasn't being heard before. And is that, a, is that an issue that happens even more so for women that we feel like in meetings we're not being heard, so we're hoping to get promoted so that finally somebody will hear, hear us? Have you seen that? Um. 
So again, I go back to, I, I always like to position it that I think it's a problem for, for women, but I think it's a problem for certain men too, depending on your personality type. And I think there's a lot of people that need that support. I'll give you another, um, tell you another story. So um, after I left my previous role at Insight, um, a lot of folks there knew I, I like to do leadership blogging and I like to mentor and I'm really, I'm, a, I'm just a junkie for this kind of thing. And uh, so there's a lot of folks follow me still on, on LinkedIn or on Twitter. And so even though I'd left the company two or three years previously, one of the managers there uh, connected me with a young woman who had just started in a sales role a couple of months before. And he said, I really think you need to talk to Marcy. And I was kind of confused because I'm like, I'm not with the company anymore. But regard, he's like, no, Marcy, I think you can really help her. So when she called me, uh, basically what she wanted to do was start a women in tech group in, their, in their, her company. And she was very, very new, very young. And she said, can you give me some advice on how to do it? And so I said, absolutely. Like, I think you just have to build some relationships, go get some senior leadership buy-in. And one of the things I, I really would caution you on is I think you don't want, I think there's a lot of people who want to grow, men, women, young, old. And I think I wouldn't limit it to that. And I also believe that um, in terms of talking about women in leadership, um, men play a big part in it. Go back to my boss who invested in my executive coach. I think it's just really good for men to be involved in the dialogue and the conversation to understand how to support and help you know, women as they're, as they're growing. And so I think it's, it's okay for them to be a part of that and to hear the dialogue. Anyway, so I gave her some pointers. Off she went. And I didn't hear from her until a few weeks ago. That was a year ago. And she reached out to me again. And I thought, and she said, Marcy, I had the women in tech thing. It was an amazing success. It was great. She said, I'm so delighted. And now I have this little executive committee and we're a bunch of millennials. And we've just invited a couple of more senior women uh, in the organization more experienced onto the team. And she said, I have to tell you, she said, I'm really running into some challenges because she said, I'm trying to lead this group. And she said, I'm asking for what should we do next and how should we do it? And she said, how do I lead this group when I'm not a leader? And I said, why do you think you're not a leader? I said, huh. you had a vision. Right. You came up with a strategy. What makes you a leader? Who decides who's a leader? What makes you a yeah, who decides who's a leader? And I said, in my books, you're a leader. Like you, you went out and, and achieved your vision and goal. You rallied people around it. You motivated them and you executed to the strategy. And I think you had a, a really successful event. And she said, well, you know, they're not listening to me and the meetings are off the rails. And like, how do I do it? And I said, you have to be the leader you would want to work for. So you have, you, it's okay to ask for advice and it's okay to get feedback. But at the end of the day, people want their leaders to be decisive. So get the feedback, get the information. And then once you decide on a path, make sure you draw upon people's strengths and involve them in the next way forward. So if you know someone's really good at event planning, make sure you give them a, a role where they can be successful in this group, but make no mistake. They're looking to you. And if you're waiting for someone to anoint you or, you know, may wave their magic wand and make you in charge. I said that that's just not going to happen. So uh, my, one of my favorite sayings uh, that I got from one of my executive coaches that we kind of came to about who I was as a person was uh, no one's coming. No one cares. I'm coming. I care. And so that's what I said to her. I'm like, look, you, if you're waiting for someone to come and save you or tell you what to do or anoint you, they're not, but you can come, you can care, you can set it all up. And so she was really grateful for that. And then I, I was so excited. So hopefully I'll hear from her sooner rather than later about how this next step is going. 
I love it. I, that's such a truism. And it also speaks to my personal philosophy about driving gender diversity in the workplace that, you know, right. no one's coming, no one cares. Women, we care. We should, we're coming. Yep. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this is my least favorite question to be asked, but I'm asking you, tell me about a mistake you've made and what did you learn from it? Wow. Um, okay. So I'm going to tell you about not necessarily a mistake, but a career failure. And it was, it's also what I would call my humbling experience. So um, go back to um, I'm young, I'm driven, I, I, I got it, I feel I'm ready to step up. And uh, we had a, um, I was in Canada at the time, and we had just acquired our first Canadian client. Um, and it was a pharmaceutical uh, reseller, a lot like a CVS or a Walgreens equivalent in Canada. And we had acquired this, um, we had acquired this piece of business, and it was a staff augmentation. So the, the team that had been working for this company had moved over and now were, um, were working for us. And we had SLAs we had to put in place, and we had this quality assurance that had to be done. And the guy they'd put in place to do it uh, was crashing and burning. So my boss came to me, tapped me on the shoulder and said, this is your dare to be great. Like we need you to move your family to Toronto. We need you to open up the office. We had another big um, client engagement with uh, Morgan Stanley. So I had about 200 people from Morgan Stanley. Plus we had this Canadian pharmaceutical thing and I was getting on the plane. I was moving the whole family and we get there and I'm ready to, you know, take the, the bull by the horns. Uh, not only did I uh, just fall completely flat on my face uh, because um, it was a lot harder than I thought it would be and my go-to ways of doing things weren't necessarily uh, working for me at the time, but, um, but, I, but I couldn't give up. And, and so, I, I mean, the lessons I learned about that, I can just take you through like five of them that I learned. Bring it on. Um, Bring it on. And I'm sure you'll nod your head. Uh, I'm sure there's, I'm not the only one. I'm sure everybody out there has, has experienced the same things. But the first lesson learned was don't let time manage you. So I think that was one of the biggest contributors to my downfall because I've always been a person who believed that if I worked hard enough, if I put in enough hours, if I, you know, I hit the ground running, like once I got everything up and running, I would be, I'd earn the credibility and we'd get everything back. And then I can, I could dial back. And what I found was, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I hit the ground running and I was at full speed and it was around the clock and things weren't getting better. But by then I couldn't dial back. Right. Because then and everybody's expectation of you, is that just what you bring every day? No, that's right. Exactly. So I was kind of at a breakneck speed. And then the other problem was that uh, I had moved my husband and my two girls. And I had no time for them. They were in a new school. They had no friends. It was a new house. We had that's no so extended hard. family support. Yeah, I don't think that's ever happened to you. But, uh, you know, you think, you know, there's some other idyllic view in your head of how this is going to go. And you think everybody else manages it. Why can't I? And, uh, and, and so it, it didn't work. So my, my, my advice to people who have lesson learned on don't let time manage you is you have to take time to relax, reflect. You have to take a more, um, you know, measured approach to it. Um, so if you manage your calendar and your time, it'll most likely give you the best fighting chance um, to, to overcome a lot of the other pitfalls. The second lesson I learned was I had to be honest about my team. So the team I walked into was in crisis. They hated us for acquiring them. They hated the client for giving them away. And in the contract, you'll love this, in the contract it said we couldn't uh, let anybody go. 
because they were the subject matter experts. So I was in this uh, really despondent moment where I just, all my go-tos for motivating the team and trying to get people working together just wasn't working. And I remember very clearly getting to the airport, uh, wandering around the bookstore, and I found this book, I don't know if you've read it, uh, by Patrick Lencioni, uh, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. No, but I, I think I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, yeah you're going to have to check it out. Um, anyway, uh, it was a, it's wonderful. I highly recommend it to people. It's, it's written as a fable. It's a really easy two-hour plane ride read. Um, but I would tell you, by the time I landed, the book gave me new, uh, new hope. And, and I think what I found was I had to be much more direct and honest with the team. And I, even though I couldn't let them go, I, I took the approach of I can coach them up and I can try and get them on the bus. Or I, I have to, I have to coach them out. So nothing said I couldn't um, invite them to leave or help them find their happiness somewhere else. So I think that that really helped a lot. That is exactly um, the expression that one of my favorite managers used to say, which is, "Are like, are you on the bus? Are you on the bus? Yeah, are you on the bus? You have to decide. But get on the bus, or we're gonna you're gonna have to leave the company." That's <laughs> exactly it. Um, so then the third lesson I learned was don't let your boss off the hook. And I don't know about you, but as women, then maybe, it's, maybe I'm, I'm uh, you know, back to my gender, it's hard for everybody. But I think in particular, it's hard for women to hold their bosses maybe more accountable. And so uh, this one was absolutely critical on the hill I, I could have died on. So my boss um, was, uh, I, like, I was a pleaser at the time. I wanted everything to go well. He would fly in and out, and he would say, is it fixed yet? And I'm like, it is not fixed. And here's what I need. And I need you to help with this, this, and this. And you're like, oh, you're fine. You've got it. I got to go to dinner. I've got another meeting. Like he would just turn around. And he was part of who set up the whole contract and engagement. So he really wasn't accountable and helping. Um, so at the end of the day, I won't go through all the gory details. I ended up escalating and he was invited to leave the organization. Um, and it took a long no, time for that to wait. happen. <laughs> yeah, that must have taken a lot of courage, and I feel like it did. Five out of six times, that could have gone the other way. And and I was prepared for that. I think that was that was that was the moment I was at in this in this relationship and where I was was um, I was at a point where I knew uh, I had to have courage, and I was I was leaving one way or the other. So if, if I couldn't get the right support that I needed, um, it was my time to go anyway. And it was, it was, it was the moment. That was, that's really important what you've said, because you knew you needed to be set up for success. And if you couldn't be set up for success, it, it, it wasn't a good idea to keep trying. Yeah. No, it really wasn't. And so, well, the thing I, I really learned from that and, and, and don't letting your boss off the hook was now I'm, I'm much more straightforward with my bosses. I'm much more talk, comfortable talking about the uncomfortable. I'm much more, I'm better at handling those type of, of conversations. And I know, I know what I, what, uh, what I, I need for the team to be successful and I need for my boss to, I mean, I, I try and approach every person I've ever worked for that, I, you know, it's, it's about making them successful. But if, if you're, if, if it's not, uh, if it's not reciprocated, then you're in a, you're in a really difficult situation. So uh, it's so funny because these, these ladies that I've worked with who, who I meet with regularly, I mean, one of the things I know I, one of my Marcyisms is, um, is that I feel as your leader, I trust you with my career, my career and my brand. So when you're out 
doing another meeting, whether I'm there or not, I trust you with my career and brand. I hope you trust me back with your career and brand. So when I'm giving you coaching, if I'm giving you difficult feedback, it's not because I'm trying to tear you down. It's because I'm trying to build you up. So I think uh, that was, that was a lesson learned. That's really important. And it's also interesting because I feel like you know, sometimes you pick a manager or a manager picks you, but sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. somebody leaves management change, structure changes, and you end up with a manager you didn't pick and you may not trust. Mm. It takes time to get there and that's hard. And it's on both. It really is on both. So, so don't let your boss off the hook. Number four is don't avoid conflict, which I'm sure, you, you know, again, that's another toughie, but uh, that was a fun-filled cornucopia year of, uh, of conflict everywhere I went. And I think at the end of the day, what really helped me was my, my stress levels were through the roof. And I think my lesson learned was making time for exercise, eating right, getting enough sleep, reflecting, relaxing. Like that gives you the bet a better uh, chance of being able to approach a highly stressful, highly emotional, uh, political moment where you can control, you can be more calm, cool, collected. But if you're already on the roof, you're tired, you haven't slept, you haven't eaten, you're, by the time you get to a conflict situation, I don't know if you've ever, this has ever happened to you, but you're just wound up so tight that the people that you're interacting with can't see the forest for the trees. So I think don't avoid conflict, but make sure that you're taking care of yourself in, in being able to, to uh, approach the conflict. Right. And then the last lesson learned I had was focus on execution. So that was the only thing that saved my bacon at the end of the day was regardless of all the other fluff and flurry and things that were happening, I made sure that I understood what it was we were trying to accomplish, what we needed to do to get out of breach of contract, to get the engagement back on track. And at the end of the day, when I finally crawled out of there 12 months later, because we're talking about failure, um, I, I, I was so happy to be relieved of duty. And I felt so guilty that I couldn't be the one to carry it to the next level. But I sort of felt like I came and I did what I was supposed to do. Uh, it, it completely um, tore me down at the end. But I, when I handed the engagement over to the next person, when I handed the baton, uh, things were in a lot better shape. Um, I just wished I had been, uh, hadn't, I wished I had been better coming out of it, but, uh, but the, 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 what I, what I learned from it, I, I, nothing will ever be as hard and, uh, and I'm grateful for it in the end. Love it. Love it. Thank you for sharing all that. I really got a lot sure. out of it and I, I admire you for going through it because I think one of the hardest things is that it's hard to wake up and go to work when it's, you're not, you know, it's not going to be a good day. And to do that for oh, oh my gosh, oh sorry. So do you know it was around the time? I don't know if you know the song "I Had a Bad Day" by Daniel Powder. I would listen to "I Had a Bad Day" every morning on the way into the car. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but it made me smile because you know song. you're not alone. Yeah, right. yeah. And and but I mean that's the thing is you realize in, in us and telling stories is. Look, when you look around, you think everybody's got the world by the tail and they've got everything together. Look at them. They're so successful. They're managing it. Why am I a hot mess? But you realize in sharing these stories and these lessons learned, you're not the only one who's had these experiences and you can move forward and eventually uh, look back on them and smile. And they make you stronger. That's they do. If you can survive it, you come out the other side much stronger. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks though, but it, but it does, uh, it does make you stronger. Yeah. All right, I'm going to move into our fast five questions. You've already recommended a okay. couple of great books. Do you have any other books you think our audience should read? I'm going to recommend uh, This I Believe. Um, this and it's I a believe. book. 
Yeah, Decidely. And the reason I'm recommending it is because um, it's a book that ha is, is based on uh, the, pro the personal philosophies of remarkable men and women, and it's based on an NPR series of the same name. And it's literally a page, page and a half, and it's written by some real people, and it's written by some famous people. Uh, think Bill Gates, uh, think uh, Gloria Steinem, think Colin Powell. And the statement to uh, each of the writers is, you, you need to start off with this, I believe. And um, I, I've implored, uh, you know, I've done it, implemented it in my own life where I write for a couple of minutes, a page, page and a half. What do I really believe in? Like, what is it that really motivates me? What am I struggling with? And one of my favorite places in the book is uh, in the 50s when this series first started, there was a young woman at the age of 16 who wrote her This I Believe. And then when they revamped the book, they had her 50 years later uh, revisit her This I Believe statement. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why I think it's so powerful. But again, it's an easy read. It's a couple pages at a time. So it's not like it's a full novel. It's not luxury, but I hope it will motivate uh, your audience to find their own This I Believe. I love it. What's your favorite way to exercise? You um, talked about how important it is to take a break and clear your mind, and I'm a believer in that too. Yeah, I'm a gym rat. So uh, it used to be the treadmill until I got old, um, and now it's more the stat machine and the free weights and things like that. But I also do a um, my favorite is to do the plank to see how old I can hold, long I can hold the plank, and I play um, I play the boxer by Simon oh. and Garfunkel is in my wow. ears when I'm when I'm doing it. And I love the part where it says, uh, you know, uh, all alone there stands a boxer and a fighter. And it really motivates me and helps me reflect on, on really fighting through, through when you're really struggling. So I, I love I that. Do that. And I'm but, very impressed yeah. that you even get to that lyric because that's a long song. <laughs> it's a long song. Yeah, I know it really is. I've, I've got to build up to it. But then the, um, the other thing I do, and this is something I did a while ago, was um, about five years ago uh, to help myself um, mentor myself. I would go to the gym, I'd run five miles on the treadmill, and I would come home, and I would write two or three pages about the best moment of the week, what, what my leadership lesson learned was. And there was a gentleman I was working with, a guy by the name of Dave Woodward, um, who was our SVP of sales, and he's a really tall, hillbilly guy, and you wouldn't think he would be much into writing and mentoring, but I used to send him my couple of pages of what my leadership lessons learned for the week, and I called that Deep Thoughts from the Gym, and he would write back with a perspective from the patio, so he'd like to sit on a Sunday morning with uh, a cigar in his hand, I and on the patio, and he'd write me back. We did that for three years, and we, we self-published three books worth of the stuff. So it was almost our combination of this, I believe, and exercising our body and mind. And I really feel now I've got a body of learning that I look back on now five years later, and I can go, wow, like that actually was pretty insightful considering what I was going through at the time. But And the rule I had for myself was I wasn't allowed to uh, be the victim. I wasn't allowed to vent and say, oh, woe well, is me. No matter what happened, even if I felt that way at the beginning of the run, by the end of the run, it had to be, you know, what, what did you learn? So I would, I would encourage other people to write it down because I think a lot of people have a lot of great thoughts or learning, but we lose it. And if you take an extra hour and you sit down and you, and you carve out that time for yourself, it's really important. I love it. Love it. What's your favorite movie? <laughs> uh, okay, so this is a tough one uh, because there's a lot of great movies. Um, but I'm going to say every year our family watches National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, and so we are the Griswolds. <laughs> then your family is a fun family, and I love it. 
who's the one person dead or alive you'd want to have dinner with? So I have to say, this one has me stumped. I, I really, I, I overthink things, but I'll tell you what, I've, uh, what, what I'll come up with is the best meal I've ever had was at San Ysidro Ranch in Santa Barbara. And it was an unexpected moment. And as it turned out, what made that night special beyond the unbelievable food in the company was that uh, John F. Kennedy and Jacqueline Onassis had spent the last two days of their honeymoon at San Ysidro Ranch. In, my, in, in Santa Barbara, and um, I was just really taken with that. And I remember early on in my career giving a speech when I was president of the Engineering Society, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And I think there was a lot of nostalgia there while I was there wandering around. And so my answer would be San Ysidro Ranch with John F. Kennedy Jr. and, uh, and, and Jacqueline. And just hear the story. Oh, can I come? That sounds great. <laughs> I know. It's wonderful. Well, you know what? It's recently been damaged with the uh, mudslides in oh. Montecito. So I'm hoping it comes back so I can take my daughters there. Oh. And our last fast question is, what is your karaoke song? Taking Care of Business by Bachman Turner Overdrive. <laughs> I mean, how could it not be? That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. So is there any one last thought you'd like to leave our audience with? Our audience is a group of really ambitious, career-minded women, many of whom struggle with um, either implicit bias or just simply with the challenge of managing work and family. What would you, what would you say to our audience? Yeah, that's great. Actually, you know what? It's so funny. I didn't know you were going to ask me that, but I think I've got a great way to close. So I mentioned I have two girls. Uh, my youngest daughter is about to go off to college, and she had to write a 100-word essay on, uh, you know, what, what has been the most biggest influence on her life or what's inspired her the most. And um, I, if I can, I'm just going to read you her 100-word essay. It'll just take a second. Okay. So, so uh, what inspires her the most? She said, both my parents were amazing influences on me growing up. And at every chance, my family reminds me that my character is a near-perfect reflection of my mother's. I take it as a compliment every time because she's persistent, confident, and resilient. My family dynamic is unique, that my mom is a powerful businesswoman who earns my family's income, while my dad made the choice to stay at home to care for me and my sister. This was never odd to me. Her and my dad are always on equal ground with my dad's job being just as important as my mom's. They didn't raise us telling us to break away from gender stereotypes. They just showed us a life where gender stereotypes do not exist. We were never told to be powerful women. We were just taught how to be powerful people. I carry that with me in every aspect of my life, and I believe in taking control of my future, going after what I want, and getting myself through any challenges I face. I try to pass this on to the people around me by example, as my mom did for me. Oh, Marcy, that was beautiful. Really beautiful. Brought me to tears. You must feel so proud, and I love it. And thank you for sharing it with us. Really incredible. Sure thing, absolutely. Yeah, no, and I think that's, I, I had no idea that that was the impact I had, but I'm grateful. That's amazing. Congratulations on that and on your incredible career. And we're so grateful for you to spend some of your time with us here today. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy Godboss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.